0: Welcome to the FaceTimes Podcast. My name is Tyler Publitz and welcome to the first Sunday after Christmas. Also, it is the holy name of Jesus. Also, it is New Year's Day for the week of January 1st, 2023. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to in this week's podcast and I'm excited. We have made it to yet another new year and it's just an exciting time of year. It's always that moment where we kind of hit the refresh button on a few different things. And for me... I'm going to start out the new year with something that I've been stating for the last few years, but I think I've finally gotten the steps set up. My goal is that this podcast gets released every Monday leading up to the following Sunday. So, as you will notice, this podcast for January 1st, 2023 is being released on December 26th. 2022. So my goal is to get ahead of these. This is something that I used to do when I first started the podcast now 5 years ago. But the idea also being that it gives people who are potentially preaching on these texts opportunity to use this as a resource as a tool to help in the formulation phases of their sermon. But also as the laity, as people who are maybe teaching or maybe even just going to church, gives us an opportunity to, one, get ready for church. This prep time, us hearing the text before we hear it in church to mentally be in the right mindset and have at least digested it once And two, to have another person being able to break down and think about it in a different way. And that's what this podcast has always been about, thinking about it in a different and creative way. It's one of the initial reasons on why I started this podcast five years ago was to kind of have that foundational piece. And it's been something because of life and work and different things of that nature, it's been pushed to the back burner. And it's one of the things that I will say as this year progresses, I think you will notice there are some things that are changing That being a major one, having a release day to try to have where the podcast is coming out every Monday, I think it's going to help give us some momentum. I think it's also going to be a moment in time where we can actually start building something greater. So my goal this year, and I'll publicly state this also, is for this podcast to grow a little bit broader than where we're at at this moment. And the reason being is I think there's a lot of really great content. And I even go back and listen through the first 260 episodes. There's a lot of good content in there. And I think it's time for this to kind of shift into a little bit different gear and really be able to spread this. So wherever you're listening to this, if there's a place where you can leave comments, if there's a place where you can like it, that would be super helpful for me. It's something I've never asked for before. I won't make it a common thing every week, but I think it's important. As we're moving into this new year, me kind of publicly coming out and talking about and stating some of the goals of what I have for this year, there are multiple different ideas. As you go back to my 250th special episode that I've kind of briefly talked about that I have for this and different ideas that I want to do, but in order to be able to do those, I need to make sure that this is also moving forward in a good pace and a good clip. So. I really hope that this summation of everything that we're going through is helpful, at least gives you a little bit of direction. And hopefully, you have a couple people here who can help hold me to, accountable, hold my feet to the fire. You know, you have my email address. I've stated it before. The podcast's email, in and of itself, is thefaithandsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to utilize that but also that we can continue building this community and being able to share what we're digging into, what we're learning about, how we're figuring out how faith and science are coming together. This is a very long introduction for a very fun-filled week. We'll put it that way because there is a lot to get into. But before we do that, we have to look at last week's question, which was, what are things you typically overlook that now you're going to slow down to observe? I found one of the answers that we got back this week really, really interesting of looking at how Christ-like love in the simple things of holding open a door or having someone be able to help you or slowing down so that you're able to merge into traffic or just the simple Merry Christmas or how are you doing? I think that's one of the things that it is easy for us to overlook and we don't take enough time to really recognize and think about these different things. And I think that's an important part of our faith and living out our faith. And it also helps us to be able to acknowledge the things that are going on around us to be able to more directly connect in a much deeper way with different things. So why this is a difficult week is, like I stated at the introduction, is the first Sunday after Christmas Day. It is also the holy name of Jesus Jesus. And it is also New Year's Day, which all have different texts. So there's a lot of things to dig into, but I think we found a very interesting way to get all these to tie in. So buckle up and let's jump into the first Sunday after Christmas with the Old Testament reading being out of Isaiah chapter 63 verses 7 to 9. Again, with being in the Christmas season, we are definitely in this praiseworthy atmosphere. And this is one of the things that we definitely get out of this Isaiah text. And this is the God has not forgotten his people. God will continue to provide for his people. And this is not something that is going to be just deceived, but it's the steadfast love that God has for us that he's going to have pity on us and be able to then lift us up. And as we know, especially with linking it with where we're at within the scripture text, it's through Jesus that we're able to do that, having the hindsight of being after the cross. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 148, and as you can imagine, for a Sunday like this, it is a praise psalm, and it's recognizing the praise that comes from all around us, the sun, the moon, the shining stars, the highest heavens, and the waters. And all these different things that have God created, the sea monsters in the deep, the fire, this hail, the snow, the frost, the stormy wind, all these things that are giving praise to God. But I think the last two verses kind of explain it well. Let the praise of the name of the Lord, for his name is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for all the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord." It's this idea of everything coming together to praise God. The New Testament text that goes with that is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. As you remember last week, in one of them, we had Hebrews, which was tied in with the John text. But here we are again, recognizing what is going on here in Hebrews of how God has brought his salvation in a way that we can't be ashamed. He's come in a way that we can understand. He's come in flesh and blood. He's come in a way that is so relatable to us. And in doing that, in recognizing the sacrifice of what God did to become human and putting on these self-imposed restrictions that God has, in doing that, he has made it more relatable to us so that we can understand the suffering of what Christ did, so thus us being able to deeper understand what God is doing for us. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 23. This is a text where then the angel, after the birth story, kind of picks up. The angel comes to Joseph and warns him about King Harry. Now, remember... The magi in Matthew have come to Herod. Herod then let me go and honor him, but has this idea that he wants to then destroy Jesus and puts out this proclamation for any two-year-olds and under, which we'll get in verse 16, should be killed. And in doing that, before this, Joseph gets by night that they need to flee to Egypt coming from an angel. So they flee to Egypt and while there, Eventually, Herod dies, and the angel then says, your life is not threatened. It is now safe to return. So he returns to the land of Israel and hears of Arculus, who is ruling over Judea, who is in place of Herod, and Joseph's afraid of that. So they go to the district of Galilee to a town called Nazareth, which was fulfilling what the prophets had said beforehand that he was going to be a Nazarene. And again, this is one of the big things that Matthew is going to do is a lot of tying back, a lot of tying back, a lot of recognizing how this is fulfilling what the prophets have said beforehand. Moving into the holy name of Jesus Sunday, we are looking at Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 to 27. This is this moment here where God is talking to Moses and what he should be saying to the other Israelites, but the last four verses here is what are important the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his conscience upon you and give you peace so they put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them So this blessing that God has bestowed upon the chosen people of Israel and is recognition and it's a common blessing that you hear throughout the church the psalm that goes with that is Psalm 8. And from listening to Working Preacher and Ralph Jacobson, Psalm 8 has one of the most commentaries ever because it is looking at God as a creator and is looking at the heavens and the earth who are made by you and all these different things of what we deserve giving honor to, but it's this recognition also of how God is in control and God has been able to create all these different things. There is alternative epistle text this week or New Testament text and the first one being Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 7 and this is just laying out that Jesus is born of a woman under the law which had been stated and he has been received in adoption as children and because we are children of God we are become heirs into this whole thing and that we are not a slave but a child and if a child then also an heir of God coming from verse 7 so this idea of how we are welcomed into God's family the other epistle text that you can choose from is from Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11 in this text we are looking at how God has done all these things gone into a human form emptied himself humbled himself to the point of death and that this is then this moment that we should then be exalted god because of what god has done for us therefore god also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and on and under earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father so this moment where we have kind of heard the summation of this multiple times over that through the voice of God, the voice of Jesus, that every knee should bend and recognize that Christ is Lord. The gospel text with this is a very familiar Luke chapter two, verses 15 to 21. This is picking up that second half of the birth story where the shepherds have already had the angels promote and proclamate what is going on. And so then they go and tell Mary and Joseph. And they find the child as it had been described to them. Mary treasures the words of what has been told to them. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told to them. And the new verse is eight days after it had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. The final group of text here for New Year's Day is from Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one to thirteen. This is a fun text, and honestly, it's something to spend some time in. This is for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, going through the first four verses. But this recognition of how there is a season that God has for us and that there are seasons within life, there is seasons within our hearts, earth, within our planet, that we should recognize. And this is kind of how God works too. The psalm, we've already talked about. It is again Psalm 8, this beautiful creation psalm. Spend some time and look at that. The epistle text then is from Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 6a. This is where we get this recognition of how God is giving us this new hope that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, this newness of what God is creating, this casting aside of what we are familiar with and that there is going to be this restoration of what we can't fully understand but it's this, also this recognition that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The gospel text that goes with this New Year's Day text is arguably one of the more difficult texts in Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, and this is the separation of the goats and the sheep that we're going to have, they're all mixed together, and then God then takes some the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left, and he's stating to the sheep, Blessed are you who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. For when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. When I was sick, you took care of me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Verses 34 to 36. And the complete opposite for the goats who are at his left hand. And this recognition of how we have to be alert, aware, and recognizing what all God is doing at all times. So before we jump into all faith and science come together this week with Seamus shameless plugs full working preacher, if you haven't checked out working preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their sermon brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give you this podcast. I find it extremely helpful and I really enjoy being able to have multiple different resources right there at a click. And so if you haven't checked out WorkingPreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy them be able to look at and read out all these different texts and have them all here at a click's reach. Along with how they lay out the text, I find it extremely helpful. But there's also art, prayers, hymns, colors, all these different things. It's super awesome resource. And if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. There's a couple different things than what we're having to deal with here in these texts this week. And I think it's recognizing the three parts of it. The praise of who Jesus is, especially us being on this side of the cross, that we can recognize what Jesus came here to do and what Jesus was able to accomplish, the mission that God had sent Jesus here to do. Also, the recognition of the praise that that deserves the praise that that takes, but also the threat that that was perceived as. Being seen as something that could and would be threatening to people, so thus becoming a refugee. Which then I find interesting pairing with this New Year's Day's text Talking about how we're making sure that we're feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and not being completely oblivious to those who are in need or those who are going through things, that God is still with them also. And so, in doing so, I started thinking about, and I think it became fairly quickly obvious. How many scientists have been refugees? And there's actually quite a few, especially ones that have recognition that you might recognize. So I'll attach some links down below to some lists of a couple. But here are some that I stumbled across that might sound familiar or maybe their works kind of speaks for them. Sigmund Freud, who is known for psychology, and especially if you went through psychology, there was a lot of theories, some of which have been kind of debunked, but how we interpret how we live out our lives. In doing so, he was living in Austria at the time, and as the Nazis in the 1930s took over Austria, they didn't really approve of Sigmund Freud's work, so in doing so, he then became a refugee of the United Kingdom. But even before Sigmund Freud, and even before the Nazis, which you'll notice is a kind of a continuing theme here, Johannes Kepler was another one. And Johannes Kepler, we've talked about before, is kind of the person that really helped kind of confirm Copernicus and a little bit of Galileo with planetary movement. It's also helped a lot with figuring out optics for glasses. But in his life, Johannes Kepler ended up moving quite a bit from Austria to the Czech Republic, back to Austria, and then near the end of his life, getting his mother out of the witch trials in Germany and ended up dying in another town in Germany. And the last few years of his life was constantly moving partially because he was a Lutheran and the Catholics and Lutherans were pressure was building and the Thirty Years' War was kind of in the middle of all this. But a lot of what he was stating from a scientific perspective, shockingly, the scientific community was in support of what Kepler was doing, but there was a lot of risk because of how powerful the church was at that time and were questioning some of the things that he was stating. Another one that was affected by Nazi regime is Erwin Schrodinger, and this is where you probably know, heard of Schrodinger's cat, and he's also discovered the fundamental results for quantum theory and how waveform function and time interact, which got him the Nobel Prize in 1933, which caused him to leave Germany in 19 early 30s, moved to Austria, and a year later after the Nazis took over Austria, moved to Ireland. Partially because the Nazis weren't real pleased with Schrodinger's attachment, being a friend of Einstein, which we'll get into here in a moment, also was very much against anti-Semitism. And as I stated, Einstein, Einstein known for physics, but was also a Jew and was escaping Nazi Germany and ended up being a refugee to the United States. Gustav Nolsel, which is a more recent one, is an immunologist and was part of the global health community for an extended period of time. Again, affected by the Nazis, at age seven, fled out of Austria to go to Australia, and that's where he still is. We have Karl Popper, who was a thinker, just a very deep thinker, but one of the big people who also developed the modern thinking of how we do the scientific method, was a Jew and escaped the Nazis from Austria to New Zealand and eventually to the UK edith Bolbring who was a major breakthrough in understanding how smooth muscles work and led to studies on different types of tissues and with having jewish background she went from berlin to germany and eventually to the uk and i also would like to emphasize she is one of three different females that are on this list it's always important to bring up females within science Salome Gluson-Welch is another one who was a geneticist and the co-founder of De- Developmental Genetics. And again, having Jewish background and being in Germany during the 1930s, she ended up coming to the United States. Max Perotz, a molecular biologist who shared the 1962 Nobel Prize for chemistry for discovering hemoglobin and myoglobin, was initially born in Austria, worked in the UK, was arrested because he was originally had come from there and because of how Churchill was trying to make sure, because of his colleagues fighting for him after he was arrested, brought to Canada, and eventually brought back to the UK in 1941, and is considered by some the godfather of molecular biology. Carl Gerassi is a person who developed oral contraceptive pill, so especially within most of our female population, a very important person, initially from Austria who moved to Bulgaria and eventually went to the United States as a teenager, again avoiding the Nazi regime. Another female is Dame Stephanie, quote, Stevie, end quote, Shirley. She was an early computer pioneer in the 1960s and has become known now as a philanthropist. Initially, again, born in Germany and age five, moved to the UK, again with Nazi regime issues. George Rada worked within magnets in biology and healthcare and was able to help within the field of nuclear magnetic resistance, which helped set up what we now know as MRIs today and is a fundamental foundational piece for the MRI machine. Again, he was Hungarian, and when the Soviets and the Marxist regime moved in, he moved to the UK to study chemistry at around age 20. Emmanuel Doglana is a chemist specializing in stereochemistry, asymmetric synthesis, and environmental taxonomy. And also is an award-winning novelist, poet, and playwright. Originally from Congo, went to the United States as an undergrad was in France, returned back to Congo, was working as a dean at a college there in Congo when there was a civil war that broke out in Congo, and so he returned back to the United States. San Thang is an innovator within the polymers and material science, especially focusing in on organic and polymer chemistry and how those work together. He is a refugee from the Vietnam War who went to Malaysia and eventually ended up in Australia. Sergio Brin is probably one who sounds a little bit familiar. The reason being, he's a computer scientist but also helped co-found Google. And when in being born into Russia... And being Jewish, there was a lot of anti-Semitism, so I we eventually went to Austria, to France, but eventually to land here in the United States. And I felt that was interesting also the state with Sergio Brin. His dad was a mathematics professor at the University of Maryland, and his mother was a researcher for NASA here in the United States. So why do I bring this all up with all these texts? I think it's really easy for us to give a bad name to a refugee. I think it's really easy for us to see this as somebody escaping something and maybe they shouldn't be escaping. But yet we overlook the aspect that the person that we're following as a Christian was our own refugee to save his own life because he felt threatened. And as we go through that list, there is a lot of people who were threatened for various different regions. Some that they had history, that their grandparents were Jewish, even though they weren't Jewish. Some having that, yes, I'm Jewish and I'm not a big practicing Jew. Some based on that they were a Protestant in a Roman Catholic area and as they were fighting between each other during what led to the 30 years war in Europe. Some even just being a lot of war conflict. And I think this is something that we have to remember in our own lives. Yes, look at what these people were able to do. Just like Jesus was a refugee and was able to do amazing things after being a refugee and being able to settle down. But we look at then the work and what Jesus was able to do. We look at these lists of what these people were able to do. But I also think about what more could some of them have been able to do if they hadn't had to be worried about saving their life. The last few years of, for example, Johannes Kepler was basically running because of his faith. And because of what he had published, the science community didn't like him. The Roman Catholics didn't like him. And he was trying to figure out how to do that. And in the meanwhile, his mother getting caught within witch trials and him figuring out ways to bail her out. How often our own human constructs sometimes limit us and then hurt our own ability to be able to see the full potential of what some of these people have done because of us. And that's where, to me, when you start looking at this text of separating the sheep and the goats, are we sometimes putting ourselves in the pastures of the goats because we have these preconceived biases? Are we seeing things and making decisions that maybe aren't necessarily really that beneficial? In fact, we're then seeing them as they were hungry and we didn't give them anything to eat. They were starving with not having any clothing and yet we didn't do anything for them. I think that's something that we have to recognize whatever country you are in. But it also, I think, emphasizes this idea of we have to be able to work together. We have to be able to be welcoming, even when it's hard. Mary welcomed the shepherds in when they had the startling news to be able to tell her. And she treasured it in her heart. She didn't question it because they were the lowest of the low in society. She accepted it and took it and recognized the possibility of what was going on. I think within our own lives, this is something that can challenge us. It's something that I look at the amazing things that these refugee scientists were still able to do in their careers. But yet how quick we are at times to judge because something is different about someone else. And I think this is a moment, especially this first Sunday after Christmas, which I know a lot of people don't fully recognize that the 12 days of Christmas is for after the 25th as we lead up to January 6th in Epiphany. But it's this recognition then of just because we as humans see them as different doesn't mean that they're any different in the face of God. And I think this recognition of God coming for all of us in this season, and at times when tensions are high over political reasons that lead to war, or political reasons against parties, or whatever other reason, skin tone colors, seems kind of silly when we honestly get down to the root of it. Because we look at that our Savior, ourself, that we follow, was a refugee himself. And we recognize that in that, that still then also doesn't mean that we can't still welcome the foreigner in. Because Jesus had been the foreigner multiple times. And I think that means that we need to expand our focus beyond what we are necessarily comfortable with. Because I think about Mary and Joseph in that situation didn't feel exactly comfortable. And as we look at the separating of the goats and the sheep, it's the goats who weren't necessarily comfortable doing something are the ones that God is upset with. Can we make sure that we're praising God? And in order to do that, that means that we need to be able to see beyond and see all of God's creation. So the question I have for you this week is how are you going to welcome the quote other? How are you going to welcome the quote however you want to define that and I see other as something that's different than you different gender or genders depending on how you look at that looking at different sexes looking at different nationalities different colored skin different beliefs different understanding of even the faith that you have I think this is something that we all need to be okay with and recognizing that God himself was on the run at the beginning and recognizing that that still didn't prevent God from welcoming them into the family of God. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And I think this is one of the ways that when we look at things, if we are really going to be able to get the most out of people and the gifts that God has given to be able to further scientific knowledge or just our knowledge as a human species, then we have to be okay with looking beyond what we're comfortable with getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where sometimes God is also. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.